0: I have wanted to interview today's guest for years, ever since I read his first book, Relentless, and I'm not even kidding, immediately started reading it again. This is an interesting interview because Tim Grover is not my typical guest. Tim is world-renowned for his legendary work with elite champions and Hall of Famers including Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of others in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and Olympic athletes. I am not a sports fan. I think you guys probably know this about me, but I am a massive fan of athletes who perform at the highest level. I always wanna understand what makes them tick and how do they work so hard and how do they get to the top and then even more difficult, how do they stay there? And in Tim's book, he goes into detail about what it looks like to be a Michael Jordan, what it looks like to be a Kobe, or a Dwayne Wade. And the answers are not always what people want to hear. In fact, some parts of his books are controversial because he talks about what it takes to win at the highest levels. I find his work fascinating and I nerded out to get to speak to him. But I'm going to tell you right now, probably not for everyone. If you are an Enneagram 3, maybe an Enneagram 8, if you are a high achiever, if you're someone who is working really hard to get towards a goal, I think you're going to love today's conversation. And if you're not, no big deal, but maybe you skip today's episode. This is my chat with author and national bestseller of Relentless. From good to great to unstoppable and the new book, Winning. It's all about teaching the principles of relentless drive, result-driven performance, and mental toughness. If you dig today's episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the podcast and giving it a review and checking in with us on social media. Have a fantastic listen. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast We have to start just for our listeners who might not be familiar with your work. Will you give us an overview of who you are and what you do and sort of the journey to get to where you are today?
1: Sure. My uh, name is Tim Grover. I'm best known for training professional athletes such as Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Russell Wilson, hundreds of others, Charles Barkley, Kim Olajuwon, who's who in the NBA I've pretty much worked with. Uh, I do a bunch of business w- with different CEOs of companies now just to get, I don't even go in the, I'm not even in the mindset space, you know, because that's too general. I, I put myself yeah. in the winning space. So, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's what it's about, you know, because people get confused when they talk about, Oh, mindset. Well, what actually is mindset? I've defined it to a, a even more of a fine line says, Hey, I teach people how to win but not only to win, to win over and over again, and not just in business, in life, in the relationships, and everything that's going on. It's a, it's a. I take a different approach. I take that brutally, raw, honest approach to it, kind of like you.
0: Okay, <laughs> I always tell ahead.
1: everybody. It, I, I always say our messages aren't for everyone, but they should be.
0: Right, right. Well, so let's let's start with this sort of fact, I'm not a sports fan. I don't watch sports, I'm not, but I am a massive fan of athletes. Like I have forever been fascinated about how athletes at the highest level get to that spot And even harder, how do you maintain it? How do you come back year after year and do it again? And so I found your, I found Relentless, which I think I've read six times maybe. (laughs) I found Relentless because I was just interested in sort of what is the psychology of athletes at that level. But can we go back and start with the story of how you ended up training with Jordan? Like you were not, you weren't training with athletes at his level. None. like that can can you sort of talk about how in the world did you even navigate getting your foot in that door and then how did you know where to start with what you were training him and helping him sort of tweak to get better
1: well you know what it's funny uh I I'm uh both my parents are, are Indian descent so you know when you're going you have two occupation choices if you're if your parents are Indian especially back in the, especially back in the 80s Number one was to be a doctor and number two was to be a doctor. (laughs) And I wanted to do neither, neither one of them. So when I went to college, just like anybody else, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, one of my guidance counselors said, Hey, we have this new program called kinesiology. All right. It's about exercise and movements of muscles. It requires a lot of science and so forth. She goes, I think you'll be really good at it. I said, all right. So I take a few courses at it. I absolutely loved it. But I was like, okay how do you make a career out of this? How do you make a living out of this? So I was like, all right, I don't want to be a doctor, but I still in this, I'm still in the science space. I said, you know what? I'm going to train professional athletes. So I went and told my parents, I said, I'm going to train professional athletes. That's what I want to do. And they're like, what does that even mean? Like, (laughs) it's like, what does that even mean? Because, you know, back in the late seventies, early eighties, like Professional athletes didn't have trainers. You know, they had, the boxers had their trainers, and you, you know, you had your trainers for the Olympics. But other individuals did not have anything. So I had to kind of create a whole industry. So after I finished school, I finished uh, with a master's degree in exercise science, just like anybody else, didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't have any really jobs lined up that were that were appropriate because I didn't know what do you do. What do you do with this degree other than be do administration work or become a uh, become an educator. I just didn't know. So I took a job at a local health club. Minimum wage back then was $3.35. Mm. $3.35. So I took the job. I took the job. So at a local health club, I said, all right, I have all the knowledge. I have a lot of knowledge on how to work with individuals, but I have no practical experience. So this would be a great way. So I got in there. I started to Work my way up to a trainer. I actually had to work my way up to a trainer. I was the most educated person there, but I still had to work my way up. No problem. You know, I have no, no issues with starting, starting at the bottom. So after about, you know, three months, they allowed me to start training individuals. I started to train everybody that was available. I got them all. I got them unbelievable results. And this was just whether they wanted to be a recreational athlete, whether somebody that wanted to lose weight, somebody who was coming off you know just giving birth to a child whatever whatever it may be so i got known as that person that like delivered the results which was excellent for me because it got me a chance to really work on my craft physically work on it talk to people see see try different things out not just where i learned different avenues that i wanted to go and there was a small article that I saw in a local newspaper that said Michael Jordan is tired of taking the physical abuse from the Detroit Pistons. And he's looking to get stronger. He's looking to get bigger and stronger. I said, okay. I said, you know what I'm going to do? There's 15 players on NBA roster. I said, I'm going to write 14 letters. And I said, exactly right. Because back then no emails. The only people that had cell phones were the big ones that you threw over your backpack. I couldn't afford afford one. I couldn't afford one of those. So you really, I wrote 14 letters. I wrote A letter to every Chicago Bulls player except Michael Jordan, because I was like, okay, if one of these individuals responds to me, maybe Michael see what kind of work I've done and he might be interested. So I mail the letters out. And back then the letters go as fan mail. So what they do is they take all the fan mail and they put it into the lockers of all the different players. So remember, the only person I did not write a letter to was Michael Jordan. He he took the letter from somebody else's locker that had opened it and handed it to the team physician and athletic trainer at during that time and said, "Hey, find out what this guy's about."
0: Wow, I mean that's crazy! It like is that crazy. twist of fate. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that is that is crazy. So that's why when somebody calls me crazy or anybody says their ideas are crazy, I said, "You're you're going the right way. You're going about things the right way." Right. You know, because I was like, "All right, what are the cha- what are the chances?" But you know what? There'd be zero chance if I did. So for the next three months, I had the athletic trainer uh, call me and said, "Hey, we have a client that's interested in your services." Didn't tell me who it was. I had no idea. So literally, they put me through three months of vigorous testing, knowledge, practical, all kinds of stuff. Actually, more extensive than I went to school. What I went to school for. Then later, they said, "You know what?" They gave me the address and they said, we want you to meet the client. Still didn't tell me who it was. Still didn't tell me who it was. I said, all right. And this was before the big gated houses and all that other stuff where you could just kind of ring the doorbell. So they give me the address, I go to the house, I ring the doorbell once, no answer, ring it twice, no answer, ring it three times. I'm like, all right, what's going on? Third ring, Michael Jordan opens up the door. Okay. Um, okay. Now and, hold
0: on. What's your what's your are you like, do you have a good poker face? that you just I have like, a great I have
1: a okay. I have a great poker face, except when it comes to kids and pets. <laughs> then uh, I lose. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But around around people, around adults, I got a great poker. I got a great poker right. face. And I'm not a star struck person. So I'm not a star, I'm not a star-struck person. So here's the crazy part. He's the one person I didn't send a letter to. So I didn't do my research on him as much as I did on everybody else on the team.
0: Right. But
1: him being who he was and there was so much information available about him. Every time you talk on the TV, you see the news, you were able to, you were able to, you, you kind of had some knowledge about what, what was going on, what was going on with him. So he invited, he invited me, he invited me to the house. All right. We sat down and talked for about 30 minutes. I told him what he told me what he wanted to do. And I told him what my philosophies were. But the first thing I said, I said, I said, listen, Michael, I'm gonna be up up front with you. I've never trained a professional athlete. I said I've never trained a professional athlete. I said I'm never going to play professional basketball. I said if that's an issue with your thinking process or the individual you want to take information from, we don't need to go any farther, all right? Because I said those things are just they're not going to happen. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, absolutely not. He goes, I need an expert in this field. I don't need an expert in this field. Even though I did play college basketball, so I had the knowledge of basketball, but not to the extent of his level. So he told me what he wanted to do. And I, I, I was like, I said, Michael, that's that's not the way to go about this. You know, he goes, I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. I want to put on all this weight. I said, no. I said, listen, the way you move, the way things go on, I said, adding a bunch of weight at this, this stage in your career is not the right way to go. I said, let's take this approach. You have these nagging injuries. Let's address those nagging injuries. Just by addressing those nagging injuries, you're automatically going to be a better athlete. You're automatically going to be stronger. You're automatically going to be better. And then let's start adding weight during the off seasons. And put a. I put like a five-year plan together for him. And then he looked at it and he just said, what I was telling about it, he goes, this doesn't sound right. I said, well, Michael, it doesn't get any righter than this. I said, trust me, trust me on this, trust me on this. He goes, you know, no one else has explained it to me this way. I said, well, I'm coming at you from not only a person who knows how to think, but also what to think. Two, di- two different, mm. two different, two different paths over here. He goes, I'll give you thirty days. He goes, I'll give you thirty days. Thirty days turned into fifteen years.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, let me ask this. Is that the approach, this idea of we're going to focus on these injuries or these pieces of weakness or we're going to heal those and make those strong and then that makes everything else exponentially greater? Is that always the approach? Like even if you're approaching someone you work with on the business side of things, is like let's fix these things Or, or do you normally pour gasoline on like what's great? How do you decide what to do first?
1: You just, you just nailed it right. And not only with, not only in the business side, with people who ask me life questions, you know, identify, identify your weaknesses. You have to admit what they are. You have to admit what your flaws are. Understand that they're out there. And I say, okay, how can I make these things better? Or how can I use them to my advantage? So the same approach that I take with my athletes is the same play I, I, I use with everybody. Anybody, I, if there's a if there's a young lady or if there's a, a young gentleman that comes up to me and asks a question, say, "Hey, this is what's going." On, I said, "All right, let's break this thing. Let's break this thing down here. What are your strengths? What are, what are your weaknesses? How can we continue to enhance your uh, your strengths and how can we bring your weaknesses closer to your strengths?" Also realizing there are going to be some weaknesses that you may not be able to overcome. There are mm-hmm. some weaknesses that you just can't make into, into your into your strengths. Those are your gifts. Those are your flaws. Learn how to use them. Find the people that can accentuate those things, that can help you in those things. You know, not everybody, listen, not there's not one person in this world who's the strongest human being in the world who's the fastest human being in the world, who's the most intelligent human being in the world, who's the most smartest human being in the world. So when you don't have all those things and you you understand that, hey, I can't be all those things, but I can enhance those things to the best of my levels and surround myself with people that understand my strengths, understand my weaknesses, and don't use those against me that, that actually help me become the person that I wanna be. That's the same philosophy I take with Michael, is the same philosophy I take with everyone.
0: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com/slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. And do you feel like, is there any psychological, like does it mess with people at all when they first start training that you're these like high level achievers, the first thing you're doing is working on weaknesses or they're such high level achievers and they want the advantage so much, they don't care.
1: They want the advantage so much. You know, your your most, your highest achievers, look, look at even in your business, your most highest achievers are your most coachable individuals.
0: Yeah, that's real.
1: They are that's your most so coachable individuals. You have less problems and less issues with high achievers. They they want to learn. They want to get better They because they know their room for growth is so small. So they're looking for that 0.0001%. So they're real, their minds are like really, really open to take what they can take, but also – leave behind what they don't want.
0: Yeah, yeah. What can we talk about? I'm just going to go all over the place. Oh, no problem. But, but I'm curious and I have been curious about this for a long time and I know you and I share a, a mutual friend and Ed Mylett I've talked to him about this quite a bit yeah. is the psychology of people who get to the highest levels in their field and how you can how do you motivate yourself or how do you keep going when you've sort of gotten, you know, you look at someone like Jordan and all of the rings, or you look at Kobe or like, how do those people find the psychological, like thing that they need to do it again and do it again? Because I don't think I've heard, like, I've heard Kevin Hart talk about this. I've heard actors talk about that. It's way harder to stay at the highest level yes. than it was to get there in the first place.
1: Yeah. So what it is, is first of all, they're way beyond motivation. So, you know, to me, motivation is entry level. It might, it's what gets you in the race. All right. So you may have somebody that's externally may light your, uh, light your fire. Now it becomes your job to control that flame to see how hot how high you want it to burn when you want it to dim it down. So, In the book, Winning, I talk about that motivation is entry level. It's for people who haven't really decided on what their goals are, what they want out of life, what they're going to have to give. These individuals, these high achievers, they already know this. So they're not looking for motivation. They're looking for elevation. So they're looking for individuals around them who know how to elevate their thought of their thought process, who know how to elevate their weaknesses, who know how to elevate their, their strengths. And as small as it may be, that's why these people, their circles are so, so small. And they can weed out the B- they can weed out the BS. And they want the truth. They want the truth. They understand that in order to get better, in order to continually to win over and over again, that they're going to have to take the emotions out of winning, they're going to have to take the emotions out of every single success that they get, because if they get so emotional over each win, it's going to drain them so much for the next one. Now, I'm not saying they don't enjoy the moment. They really they really cherish the moment. They enjoy it so much, but they understand that if they enjoy it for too long, they're not going to be able to get back here again. After each one of the championships that my athletes win, after each sales goal that a CEO I'm working with, their mind is already going into what's next. Mm. What's next? Because that, that, that feeling they get from winning, you can only get it from winning. You can't get it from anything else. And so they need, they need to feel it. They need to feel it again. They need to feel it over and over again. You know, I I know you're not in sports, but everybody knows who Tom Brady is. And every time, every time he wins, Mm. They always ask him, "What's his favorite ring?" And he always says, "The next one."
0: The next one, yeah.
1: The the, the, the next the next the next one, and they have to understand they can they don't you can't come back the same. You have to come back better. But after all, my championship guys, uh, I would get together with my athletes, and uh, they would say the same thing. They would say, "What's next?" Because they know if they come back exactly the same, they won't be here again.
0: Yeah. And yeah. how do you how do you approach? their training in a different way? I mean, I was going to say to sort of keep it interesting or keep it fresh, or is that even something they need? It's not even about what they what feels interesting or exciting is just like hey, this is what we have to do. We have to level up in this specific way so that we're ready next season.
1: Yeah, it's a combination of both you know it, it, we, are, we challenge them physically, challenge them uh, mentally we challenge them mentally, we challenge them emotionally we ch- we're constantly creating challenges challenges for them on how, how to get better. but they all have a foundation fundamental principles that they work on those every single day. Because that yeah. takes, they have routines, not just to have routines, they have routines that allow them to control what is controllable so they can have more clarity in their mind to work on the things that are uncontrollable for them. Yeah. That's why they try to control so much in practice. That's why they work so hard. That's why they study so hard. That's why you have those actors and actresses that you know they just don't read the script they become the script you have CEOs of these companies and these business people that actually become the brand they're like this is this is this is who they this is who they are and that's what keep that's what allows them to keep going and allows them from not to get bored you it's very difficult winning will get winning will get bored of you first before you get bored of winning <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And I loved in the new book, which is called Winning, I loved how you explain that and how you like just this sort of push and pull between the success that you have the desire for and how fleeting it is, or how just when you think that you're going to get so close, it's sort of gone. And it's worth saying, I think, too, for people listening to this, this sort of, way of thinking or way of pursuing success in your life, whether you're an athlete or a business person, or you just want to be the greatest parent on the planet, is not for everybody. And I think probably, I would guess, you probably pissed some people off. Like, did you have people who read Relentless and gave you crap about how Relentless it was?
1: (laughs) You know, I I wish it was only some. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, you know what? This, this, we're, both of the books, that I've written, even with Relentless, the biggest complaint we got was you didn't tell me what to do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Your whole life, everybody's been telling you what to do, and it hasn't been working. Right. All right. All right. There are you. You, you know, people were also saying it was like, you know, you didn't give me the steps. You didn't give me the steps. There are no steps to success. There are no steps to winning. There are no steps to greatness. If it was that easy, we would all do it. Those steps are infinite. They're constantly changing. They're constantly shifting. How many steps have you taken throughout your career and you didn't even know the steps were there? You said to trust right. yourself that, you know what? I've put in the work. I've, I've prepared. I know I'm ready. I don't see that step, but I know I, I, I'm going to put my foot here. I'm going to take this path. And go. That that's what that's what people want. They want the easiest way. They want you to say, "Here, take me." That it's just like when they say, "Give me what's the one thing? How often do you get this question? Okay, tell me one thing?" Boy, don't we right. all wish it was that easy?
0: Right, right. They're like, "What what what advice would you get?" I'm like, "We are at the grocery store right now, and I don't know any context <laughs> to your story. Like, I don't know what to tell
1: you." Yeah, or like say, you know, what's the key to winning? You just can't get a key, all right? You just can't get it. You know what winning's gonna do? Winning's gonna hand you the key to winning, knowing that it's a combination that you need and that key's not gonna <laughs> work anyway. Just to, just to yes. mess with you, just to mess with yes. you. Say, Here's the key.
0: It was, it was interesting, because I love Relentless so much, and I remember reading that book. And I just, I wanna say this, because I know I have listeners of this podcast who are gonna be like, this sounds interesting, I'm gonna go get this book. And they're going to be like, what is this? Because it's not, um, I I think that it's an attitude that very few people have about the things they pursue in their life. And I would say that even less do women feel comfortable to have that perspective or to pursue things with this sort of single-minded focus. But I remember reading that and feeling like I had found, I was like, oh, okay, it's not just me.
1: It's not just like I
0: it, it was the it was the first time in my life I like read stuff and I remember showing it um to my ex-husband. But at the time we were married and I remember showing it to him and being like oh, read after and <laughs> him looking at me like I was an alien. Like he would read this thing that I found so profound, and then him looking at me like, Oh, you think this way? And I was like, Uh-oh. <laughs> because it's just it because it not everybody's gonna get the way that you're driven or the way that you are pursuing in something in your life. So how do you speak to people who maybe in their inner circle don't have, they don't have a you and they don't have a, a group of people who are encouraging that piece of them. Maybe they actually feel like they're in opposition of everyone around them.
1: You know what? First you gotta one of the big things in relentless that we talked about, know exactly who you are. Know exactly who you who you are. So the people around you know who you are you know the interesting thing about you told me about that story is that you know the person that you showed it to didn't know that was you yeah that's real and it's you portray it every single day this is how you live this is how you this is how you think and those people that are around you have to accept that individual people when they when i say know exactly who you are People don't want to be exactly who they are because they're worried about being accepted for being somebody else. The energy you take into being somebody else, imagine if you put that into being you, how much farther along you would be in your life. Right. How much farther you would be in your goals, how much farther you would be in, in, in your in your success. The way I always put it with individuals that say, hey, listen, everybody says. The biggest problem with me is I'm too honest. I'm brutally honest. All right. Well, what's the first thing you ask for an individual in a relationship? Honesty. All right. So everybody wants honesty until it's time to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's real. Right. Yep.
1: Until it's until it's time to be honest. Then they say, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you acted that way. Well, well, you asked me to be honest. Now I I'm being honest with you. So yeah. honesty should honesty and the truth should lead to more actions and more results, but it usually leads to more emotions. Right. Because it's the first right. time you're pointing out something to them that they already knew that they finally have to accept, that they finally have to accept about themselves. And they're like, no, I'm not. And that, that's why, you know, when you, when, when a person doesn't let you finish their sentences or they bite back at you, you know, you've hit, you've hit a point.
0: whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats, that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend
1: to stand out. Everybody wants success. And I'm not just talking about financial success. You know, it could be, it could be emotionally, it could be physically, it could be spiritually, whatever it, whatever it may be, your definition of winning and success and relentless, it's your definition. And and around the other, and the people around you have to accept that, that's your definition, that's your definition of winning. For some people, yes, they love the shiny things. They want the big houses, they want the planes, they want the jewelry, you know, they 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 want the wardrobe, they they want the accolades. And you have the other people, to them winning is, hey, listen, I got a beautiful place to live, I got a job that goes from nine to five. I know exactly what I'm gonna get paid. I don't have to bring my home, I don't have to bring my work home with me. I get to do date night, I get to do movies, I get to play all my softball, I get to play all my softball, I get to hang out with my pets. Mm-hmm. That's their definition of success. That's their definition.
2: Right.
1: Of then you get somebody else that says, well, you can do so much more. They're doing as much as they want in certain areas and they're excelling in the areas that they, that they want to. So when you look at relentless and you think of your definition of winning, win in what you want to win it. Be relentless yeah. and be happy in, in your space. And it may not be what everybody else wants.
0: What I think is really interesting, and this is sort of a, a harsh statement I probably wouldn't normally say, I say anything but I've had, I don't well, judge. no, I know I can say it with you. <laughs> I'm just like, listeners going to be like, what is uh, I got, I've gotten so many questions over the years from women who are like, well, how do I get my mother-in-law to be supportive? Or how do I get my partner to understand? Or how do I, and it's like, I can give you a bunch of platitudes, but the honest answer is you prove the thing that you set out to do. You know what I mean? Like you win or you succeed or you achieve it because so many people in my family or sort of the circles around me, when my career exploded, everyone was like, Oh, we knew it. We knew you were going to, and I'm like, (laughs) screw you. No, you were the least supportive person. You judged me all the time. You said awful things. And now that the rest of the world, can see my success now. You always knew, mm-hmm. so it sucks. But that's the freaking truth. If you, it's like, oh, how do you get them to get on board? You put your head down and you do the work and you prove yourself.
1: Get, get and that's you know what that's it was perfect that you said that because you know what this is what I always say. Everybody's so worried about proving everyone else wrong. Don't worry about proving them wrong. Right. Just prove yourself right. Because if you prove yes. yourself right, if you prove yourself right. They will jump on shit. They, and now these are the same people that didn't believe in you. Maybe a lot of fa- men, a lot of family members also. And they're the first ones to ask you for stuff because right. they want to be part of your, they want to be part of your success because now you've done all the hard work. You found all the missing steps. You created the imbalance in your life to get to the, to get to this place. Now they're like, wow, she did all the work. Can we just hold on and go for the, can we hold on and go for the, go for the ride? Because that's the, that's the easy, that's the easy part.
0: What, what have you seen? I'm just, I, this is another thing that I'm fascinated by is um, people who get success or get close to winning and self-sabotage. And I have to imagine that you've seen that play out a lot with a lot. athletes, So how does that manifest and why do you think that shows up for people? So, uh,
1: you know what, it's funny. I love to use the people I speak to as, as, as examples. All right. You've reached a certain point in your career now where you're like, you're all all right. How much harder and how much more sacrifice and how much more time and effort are you paying attention to those little details to stay here, to grow a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more?
0: It's shocking to me how much harder this feels than a decade ago felt.
1: Exactly. So what it's happens- That's crazy. Is that's, I always say this, most people are afraid of winning and they're afraid of success because once they get a taste of it and once they know what it takes, they're like, wow i got to do this all over again and they're like yeah or they get so close to it and just now everyone thinks about everyone looks at what winning and success brings you know all the accolades all the trophies all you know the ribbons the confetti all that other stuff no one realizes that the stuff that as you get closer the things that the, the things the skeletons that are following you that are waiting for you to get to that, waiting for you to get to that win. So they can hold there's just like you said, that can hold on to you because those individuals want to pull you back because you're pulling yourself away from the pack. And it's so much more difficult to stand out than it is to fit in because you're no longer in the middle. Once you start to get closer and closer to winning, your life gets exposed more, your thoughts get yeah. exposed, your ideas, your Instagram. Your tweet, whatever you say, becomes so much more magnified. All right. Right? So it's easier to say, you know what? Let me get it as close to this. Now it's getting a little too tough. I don't like what people are saying about me. My friends are starting to di- dislike me. I'm starting to alienate family. You know, my, my relationship with an individual who I thought was really strong is no longer that uh, is no longer that strong. Is this what is this what winning's really about? Yes, that's what winning is really about. Because the people that care the most, when the things get tougher, they will push you through it. They're like, "Hey, listen, you're so freaking close." What and they all those skeletons they will really help you push those things away so you can get to that, get to those wins.
0: And have you trained athletes before though that didn't have that kind of support? I'm just I'm thinking of the person oh, who's listening to this right now and it's just like oh but what do you do if it's just
1: you? You know what I rather have I rather have the ball in my hands than the than to have it in than to have it in somebody else's. Your belief in you has to be stronger than your belief in uh, than somebody else's belief in you. That yeah. that's the, that that's the most important thing. You know it's funny just people go around and say, well they don't believe in my dreams. They're not supposed to believe in your dreams. They have their own dreams. You yeah, believe
0: they can't even see your dreams. Yeah.
1: Believe in your dream. Matter of fact, if they if you want them to support your dreams, guess what? You've given them a space in your head, which you shouldn't do, because now they can manipulate your dreams. Uh, you control the process that's up in here. You control the thought things that's going on here. You control the battlefield of the mind that's going on in here. We let too many times, we let too many individuals get into our space that should never be in our space. They should never be in there. I always say this, all right? Your best friends should never be too friendly.
0: What does that mean?
1: All right, if your best friends are always telling you everything is gonna be okay, everything is gonna be good, don't worry about this, all right? They should not be your best friends. You need allies. We have plenty of friends. Allies tell you exactly what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You know, I hate it when some, when you've worked so hard at something and it didn't quite go the way you wanted it or, it, you know, it failed and you know it failed and somebody comes around you and says, it's okay. I wasn't settling for okay. I'm not okay with this. My There's nothing about fine and okay that I want in my life, all right. So okay is not an okay is not an answer. You never settle for fine, but that's what most people—they think they're comforting you by saying it's it's okay. It's not okay. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's at this moment it's not okay. I can accept that I failed because I'm going to learn from it. Because most of the time when you fail at something, I have no regrets with people that do what they're set out to do and don't get there. I have no, I have no issues. I have issues with people that don't. There's a big difference between I, when somebody says, you know, I tried my best. Did you try your best or did you do your best? Because if you tried your best, you give yourself an out. I mm. just tried. Did you do your best? If you did your best and you failed at something, all right, I have no I have no problems with that. If you tried your best, you already gave yourself an out. You already gave yourself an out.
0: Wow, that's so good. You talk a lot. I I keep going back to relentless because I think these two books are tied. Because it's it's almost like if people are listening and they haven't read the books yet, it's almost like relentless is the journey and winning is the destination for lack of a better
1: explanation. And and this is and I'm away, and this one's gonna piss a lot of people off you know, yeah, which let's I, know go. You, which I know you don't, which I don't, I wish I know you don't mind. And I say, I say this in the book. All right. Everyone talks about the journey, the journey, journey. It's about the journey. It's about the journey. To me, the most successful people, when they take the journey, they always have a destination. Otherwise they're yeah. just aimlessly running around here. You know, it's about the journey. It's about the journey that just gives people another out to say, Hey, it's more about the journey and it's not about the destination. Why take the journey? If you don't have a destination, take the journey, get to that destination. Then take the next journey, get to that destination, take the next journey, get to that destination. Every single individual I've, I've known successful, successful, Every time they take a journey, they know exactly where the destination is. Otherwise, they're just aimlessly walking around, just walking around and going in all different directions that usually they're not leading themselves in. Somebody else is leading. How many times do you know individuals that somebody else is writing the story of your life?
0: Spring, guys, or it's very close to spring, which means it's very close to the time of the year where I start planting my garden for summer. And this year, I was really excited to add a lemon tree, not from a seed, but like an actual tree. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners of my show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code RACHE at checkout. Guys, get a lemon tree like me. We can be twins. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code RACH at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code RACH. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply
2: Register today at thisisils.org. dot org.
0: You're not you're you're on the boat. You're not the captain, though.
2: Yes,
1: you know. I, yeah. And I, one of the things I, I I say in the book Winning is like, how many people are the assistant managers of their life?
0: Hmm, that's so real. And I think what what's 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 incredible if you look at your client roster is that these are people who it would be really easy to say oh well yeah they were an athlete and they just did the same thing over and over and they you know pursued excellence in basketball or in baseball or whatever but if you look at your clients these are people who like if you use kobe as an example would just dominated in basketball and then went on and was like i'm going to make movies now and i'll win an oscar and i'll like it wasn't just in sports it was how they pursued everything Every in their life,
1: life. All right. It, it's how they did everything because the competitive nature and the winning spirit and the taste of winning, they know it doesn't have any loyalty to them. Just because they won in one thing, it doesn't mean they're going to win in something else. But the competitive nature continues to grow. All right? You know, you think about again, I like look at yourself, podcasts, TV, books, you know, just it, it's just it's one challenge, one win, then the next one, then the next one, then that, and you may not the the it may take longer to get a win in one thing than in the other, but the competitive nature of who you are, of who you are, and how important it is for you to get your message out, how important it's for you to stay relevant in your field, to stay on top of it, it's a it's something that. You live every single day. It's what keeps, it's what literally keeps you up at night. That It's the song that plays in your head that only you can hear and everybody's got this song, but very few people are willing to listen to that song. You listen to that song every single night. I listen to that song every single night because if you listen to that song, you get to control the volume. You get to control the music. You get to control the, you become the maestro of what's going on in here.
0: Yeah. How important do you think momentum is for these athletes or for your clients? Like you talked about this idea of sort of a little win and then kind of stacking something else. How, how important is it for them to stay in? For example, and again, I, I'm going to say this and you're like, that's not how sports work, but (laughs) you have a season and then you have an off season, but it's my understanding is that for the highest level, they're really, there's not really an off season. They're training in a different way during that time so that they can come back and be ready. So is that an essential part? Like, is there ever a disconnect or not while you're in pursuit of something?
1: No, at that level? you know what you, ha- here's, that's a great question. So everyone ha- you have to disconnect. I felt everybody in there. It's just like when somebody says, are you, you know you're laser focused. Well, listen, even a laser, if it doesn't turn off at some point, it's going to burn out. It's going to burn out. So there has to be a disconnect. But with these individuals, the disconnect is calculated and it's short and they know how to bounce back. They know how to go from being connected to disconnected to being connected again. These are the same individuals that know how to go from one emotion to another, back back and forth. They know how to go from being, they know how to joke with their friends with their significant other and then when it's time to go to work all of a sudden but like, they're serious and one doesn't one doesn't affect the other you have to you have to disconnect you you have but you have to decide what your disconnect is you know i'll give you and i know you and i both have this but have this in common where people tell you you need to unwind I prefer to be wound up. That's when I feel the best. <laughs> I don't feel good when I'm unwound. All right? right? Yeah. Right. All right? I, I I don't like being unwound. And if I do want to be unwound, there's certain ways that I like to unwind. Not the way. Not the way you tell me. Not the way others tell me to unwind. Unwind. So when I decide to unwind, it's because I want to unwind, not because somebody somebody else tells me. So all these individuals. I don't care who they are. They all know how to disconnect. They may disconnect in different ways, but they know at a split second that if they needed to be connected again, they would be connected. A great example is when I was working with Michael, he usually played all the way to like the end of June because during the championship seasons, that's when the basketball season would would end. And then between basically July 4th and Labor Day, was his time to take care of his endorsements, enjoy his time with his family, take his vacations, do, do whatever he wanted to do. But the minute Labor Day came around, back to training, training and golf, training and golf, training and golf. And it was just like it was just like instantly like everything else done. Now, this is where my focus needs to needs to be. So it's very important that you do need that disconnect, otherwise you're going you're going to burn out. But most people, they once they get disconnected or they get distracted, they stay in that stage. They stay yeah. in that mind because it's easier to do that. It's so much easier. I'm assuming you work out.
0: Yeah, every day.
1: All right, every day. Whether you go to the gym, how many people are trying to get connected with the right song, the right music, the right thing, instead of getting connected with what matters the workout. The right. workout. Right. That's what you should be trying to get connected with. Not not sitting here with the phone with the X and do, do doing all, all doing all the other things. And they want to know, well, I don't get, I'm not getting results in the gym. Well, here's the thing. Think about that in your daily routine in your life. Are you connected to the right things? Or are you just shuff, are you just shuffling through stuff and saying, okay, yeah, this is what's gonna matter right now.
0: Right. I love this. This Conversation because I think there is such an important connection between what you're doing physically and where you are mentally. Meaning, there are people, and I've been this person in the past, who you go to do the workout and you're miserable and you hate it and you're bitter that you're there and you're kind of like halfway doing stuff and not really trying. And I don't know that you can experience the results that you want mentally, physically, emotionally if you have a completely different attitude, if you're not attached to the result, you're just doing it because you think you have to. So how important do you think that is? Like, cause you're talking about uh, screw the song. It doesn't matter what song you're listening to while you're on the long run. It's like, are you connected to the actual physical movement that you're trying to do?
1: You know, I try to tell people this all the time. People think that showing up is half the battle. Showing up is none of the battle showing up is none of the battle people want credit for doing something that they're supposed to do so for they want credit for just for just showing up you know oh I showed up at the i showed up at, at, at the gym the physical mental spiritual all that stuff whatever you believe whatever you believe in there is a there is a connection to it be in that moment when you're in the gym you're that's that's the most important thing when you're with your family, when you're with your significant other, when you're doing the podcast, that's all that matters right now. That's all, because that's how you get that ultimate result. That's how you get that ultimate win. But people are so distracted because just distractions to us now, they're literally in the palm of our hands. We can't break away from it. We don't know how to disattach from it. We don't know how to put it, we don't know how to put it to the side because When you are focused, when things do matter, what are you doing when you're extremely focused? What happens is people love to manage time. That's why they get distracted so easy because they're like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. When you have your best workouts, you're not managing time. You're managing focus. And you'll be in the gym for 45 minutes an hour. You'll be like, wow, I'm already done. I'm already, I'm already done. When with people that are constantly distracted, that are trying to not figure out how to, that are constantly trying to balance all these things and make things equal all the time, you, you man, you're you managing time and you don't get enough done when you manage time. When you manage focus, you can get so much more done.
0: And how do you teach your athletes or any clients to develop that focus?
1: Well, you know to, what, I, to, to me, I, I look at focus as a muscle. I look at, at, at as a muscle, all right? So what I do is just like I train anything else. I was like, okay, let's pick a task and let's focus in on this task for 30 seconds, just 30 seconds, no other distractions, no other things that, that, that are, that are going on. All right. And now can we master it for 30 seconds? Then can we master it for a minute? Then we, can we master it for, you know, 45 minutes? Can we master it for a couple of hours? Now, once they get to that point, now we start to create different elements of distraction in there where we're trying to break away from their focus. Like I literally, in the middle of my athletes, when I work them out, when I'm talking to my CEOs, I will literally create chaos in the middle of their workouts, in the middle of their meetings. You know, I'll have, I'll have individuals, you know, either if I'm working with a CEO, I'll literally have them, Make them a call or knock on the door or do something, and I want to see how in, how these individuals get 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 to get distracted or, what, or can they maintain their focus in a thing, when they're when they with my athletes when they're when they're breathing real hard when they're fatigued, I get them to problem solve that. I was like, all right, now now physically, you're like, listen, physically, you're not where you're supposed to be because you're huffing and puffing and you're tired. I just had you do this thing. But mentally, can you still create that clarity out of that chaos? In life, can you still create clarity out of the chaos that life brings to you every single day? And if you can, you will win. You will find a win every single day.
0: Oh, my gosh. Tim, I could talk to you for like seven more hours. (laughs) want to be respectful of your time, but this has been such a treat for me. I I know the listeners are going to love it too, but honestly, this was just such a gift to get to hang out Um, with you and hear your wisdom.
1: We are... My agent Sherry and I—we were so we were like ecstatic when you reached out. And said, oh. We were like, yes!
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! I no, I really do, and I'm um I'm in Hawaii right now, which is one of my favorite places in the world. And I thought this was ended up being so fitting because this is the first time I brought your book on a vacation here, and I read Relentless for the first time. And so I I I like just it was incredible. So I'm I'm tickled pink, and I will say. Just for people who are listening, tell them about the books, tell them where they can get the books, tell them where they can follow you, like give them all the details so that they can Uh, go check them out. The
1: the first book is called Relentless From Good to Great to Unstoppable. The second book is called Winning the Unforgiving Race, the Unforgiving Race to Greatness. The books are available everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, any bookstore, they're available in all platforms. Obviously, they're available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you want to go. I'm the easiest person to find. I always tell people, people always tell me, man, I've been looking for you. No, you haven't. I'm like the easiest person to find. My website is timgrover.com and my Instagram is timgrover.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad I found you. I'm glad I got to hang out with you. I am crossing my fingers that someday we'll actually get to hang out in real life and I can ask you a thousand more questions, but this has been great. So thank you so much for the time. The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis podcast is a 3% chance production.